Welcome to the Jesus Movement Podcast, presented by Awaken the Dawn. We host conversations so you can hear stories from across the movement, receive fresh biblical insights, and gain practical tools to experience more of Jesus's presence in your life, ministry, and city, because we believe Jesus changes everything. All over the world, God is raising up house of prayer communities that are ministering to the Lord day and night with extravagant expressions of worship and prayer for hours and hours. And I believe that they are a crucial part of what God is doing on the earth right now uh, in these days. And so we have a special guest with us today, Brad Stroop. He's the director of the Prayer Room Missions Base in Dallas. Brad, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm your host, Matthew Lilly, and it's awesome to have you with us today on the podcast. I'm going to do a quick intro for Brad here, and then he can add anything onto that that he would like. But we just got done being together a couple weeks ago. So this is we're in February as we're recording this, but we were in Dallas, in Arlington, Texas, uh, at the Prayer Room Mission Space. We had an amazing time at a House of Prayer Leadership Summit, and we're going to explain what that is here in just a minute. Uh, But Brad lives in Arlington with his wife, Amy. There are three children. I'm going to just read his bio. He has a passion for the Lord's purposes in this generation and feels called to help strengthen the church and encourage ministries to cultivate a culture of prayer. So for the last 20 years, he's been in a variety of ministry roles, including senior pastor, church planter, full-time missionary in Africa, and now he directs the prayer room in Arlington, Texas, and also travels some to consult other houses of prayer and ministries that are wanting to establish a culture of prayer. He also pastors a network of houses of prayer, praying churches, and gives leadership to the National Missions-Based Co-op, which we'll also talk about. All right. Anything I left out, Brad? Oh, man. I, I like to party. I don't know. I, you know. <laughs> you're a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, you're you're busy. Thanks for taking time to to be with us today. Absolutely, it's an honor. We talked together about a year ago. I went back and looked on the Presence Pioneers podcast, and we went through some of your journey, some of your story and history and uh, ministry experience. How you launched the prayer room with five a.m. prayer meetings every day. It's an amazing story. We'll link We're to that. We're still doing in, it. We haven't. You're quit still this doing it. That's incredible. So we'll link to that previous conversation in the description, so people can go back and hear a little bit more of your story, but I thought we could just kind of do a public debrief from the summit we were at a couple weeks ago. And uh, let's just kind of talk about what happened when there was, I don't know, you can tell me kind of what, how many leaders there were there. It seemed like maybe 60, 70, 80 leaders were there in Texas, leaders of houses of prayer. Maybe we could start with what is a house of prayer? I think most people will know what that is, but some people may not. So what is a house of prayer? And then we can talk about the leaders that got together at this summit. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of ways you could define that. You know, we've been in this conversation for, you know, 16, 17 years now trying to define house of prayer. I would just say it this way, and this this might even bump a few people a little bit, but it's, it's a strong conviction that I have. I think a house of prayer is a ministry that has more prayer meeting hours than all the other activity it has going on together. 
So if you're a church and you've got, you know, your Sunday morning, you know, church service, and then you've got a Wednesday night, you know, thing that you do, and then you've got, you know, women's group and this and that, and all that together for, for your church equals, I don't know, 10 hours a week. I'm saying if house of prayer would be, you've got another 10 hours or 12 that you're doing prayer meetings where prayer is the central focus, but it doesn't have to be the only thing you're doing, but it's right. uh, it's at the top of the list, a house of prayer. And so that can look a lot of different ways. It can look like a local church. It could look like a parachurch organization. It could be a, an on-campus ministry at a college. But the idea being a lot of prayer meetings. And, uh, and I also would note that sometimes something starts off small that's going to grow up into something bigger. And so there's totally a lot of place for those that start off with one or two prayer meetings a week that are intending to add. And so long as they keep adding, man, I, I call that a house of prayer. So just prayer being the main focus of a ministry, though it does not in any way need to be the only thing that they're doing. In fact, in most cases, it won't be the only thing they're doing. Sure. Yeah, no, that's a great definition. So you gathered together a number of house of prayer leaders for this summit a week or two ago, whenever it was. So just give us a little overview of kind of what this event was about and why you were doing it. Yeah. So you know, uh, if you're pioneering a local church and you're in that pioneering mode, you feel like you are uh, on an island in many ways. Um, but at least there are others in your region or in your you know networking that you can find that are in that same boat. But if you're pioneering a house of prayer, you're an odd duck. It's hard to find those that are doing the same thing that you're doing. And so part of what we wanted to do was we wanted to show everybody that's pioneering a house of prayer and whether they're pioneering at year one or they're, they're at year 12, you know, the thing isn't huge yet. None of us have got big houses of prayer. All of us are small and some are even a little smaller than small, but everybody needs that bigger sense of family and community and movement. And so one of the objectives of this summit was to get us all together in a room and let us see each other, see what the Lord's doing, meet the bigger family, and hear how many of the woes and even some of the trends of the benefits that are common thread. And so um, it was really cool to get all these leaders together in a room to be able to have that shared experience. And they found each other, man. It was cool to just have them all in a room and get them talking and meeting each other and going, oh, man, you're two states over. I love what you're doing. I've heard about your ministry. I've been meaning to meet you. Uh, so a lot of uh, really sweet new friendships were forged, as well as I think people walked away encouraged to not quit, which, I mean, that was, right. a, that was a big priority. Let's keep everybody encouraged to not quit, yeah. to find each other. And then to some degree, and you may get into this with some of the other points later, but to some degree to help equip these leaders uh, to continue to be successful and to be even more successful. So I'd say that was kind of the overview. And just to, to one point that you made about numbers, you know, the way that we came about trying to reach out for this summit is um, I had a, our team research online every website that smelt like a house of prayer, either had house of prayer in the title or prayer room or praying this or prayer. I had them research like crazy for a couple of years. And we came up with a list of about 500 ministries that had a web presence. And then I had them go back and try to get good contact information for all 500 of those. Yeah. Well, it turns out in the process of us trying to get all this information out to everybody, we got blacklisted and 
So most of our email communications were going to people's spam folders. So while we were making such an effort to, to let everybody know about this summit, I feel like probably, you know, I don't know, 20, 30% of people actually got the information. And uh, what that yielded was about 65 different houses of prayer registered. And then, you know, some of them brought their leadership teams or, or some support staff. And so it was, it was a fun time. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, it was, it was a really great time. To be honest with you, I didn't quite know what to expect. And I, I didn't necessarily have super high expectations in terms of, I just didn't know what to expect. Yeah. I was excited to come see you and a couple other friends that I knew would be there. I'll take it. That's uh, all I really wanted. But I was, uh, I was really, really encouraged by a number of things that I want to mention, but maybe I'll, I'll, I'll save those here for a minute. So 60, 70 ministries were there, yeah. represented, hung out for a few days, teaching, um, you know, fellowship, food together, uh, ministry time, praying together. It was awesome. So I want to ask this question just because I know some of the answers and I think it will be fun. What were some of the challenges of putting on this House of Prayer Leadership Summit? Oh, man. Uh, before or during? Because you know the during was uh, challenging. <laughs> that That's what I know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the before... Man, our communication was so tough to get out the details about the summit. You know, we were hosting this together with uh, eight other uh, House of Permissions bases that were part of a co-op together. So it was really this national co-op that was hosting this event where we needed a a host location. So that was us. And it was just, it was challenging to get all the communication out because we're such a, a small ministry. And even the other ministries that we're in connection with, we don't have a huge platform. And so I feel like Man, uh, one of the big challenges was getting the word out, and uh, and we've got some ideas on how we could maybe approach that differently in the future. But uh, that was a big challenge. During, however, oh my, uh, <laughs> it's Texas. the The schedule for the forecast showed fifty eight and sunny. I had a park day planned for Thursday. We were going to be doing hot dogs at the park and yard games. Man, we get about six days out, and it's now showing sleet and snow and 20 degrees and we're like oh my gosh this is texas what the heck the roads got horrible i mean it's caked the ice is everywhere people are sliding around doing 360s on the highway it was a nightmare and these leaders they they still came i mean they were the ones that had already showed up we did have a few cancel but the ones that were already here they kept coming they showed up for the events and so we just had to adapt and make all sorts of changes. My, I was so proud of my uh, events team. They did <laughs> such an outstanding job of pivoting and, and yeah. uh, meeting the challenges and shuttling people back and forth and finding new housing opportunities and going picking up people on the side of the road that were stranded because of the ice. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. I, you know what's so funny? As big of a deal as that snow was, because in Texas, we don't have anything to fix the roads. We don't have right. any snow plows. We don't even have any salt or dirt hardly. And yeah. so when it, when ice and snow hits our roads, it's kind of like the state shuts down. Right. To watch the state shut down, you know, you know, in our city, in the Dallas Fort Worth area, and these leaders just continue to show up for sessions, session after session. I was like, Lord, this is you're doing something sovereign here. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, I honestly I wasn't sure if that might impact people showing up, but everybody showed up. It was amazing. I mean, there was. Probably nobody on the roads, especially on that Thursday, other than about 70 House of Prayer leaders, leaders from all it. over the country yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> that exactly were driving right. about 10 miles per hour 
on a couple of inches of ice that were on the roads. It was crazy. Yeah, that's that's about right. I think uh, that would be the heavens and uh, and angels perspective too. Is it was just those seventy liters on the Dallas roads that day? Right. Yeah. I, I don't think anybody's going to forget that that event because of you that. Know, if only for that, we definitely left a mark. Uh, maybe it wasn't exactly the mark we were hoping for, but no one will forget it. I was calling my wife, and she said, "Oh, it's seventy degrees here in North Carolina. I'm outside with with my shoes off." And I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm here in Texas of all places, and it's twenty five degrees." So, okay. So yesterday, yesterday it was 79 Schwartz t-shirt. People are sweating. Yep. And I'm like, dude, that was, it was literally one week later. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. And one of my favorite moments was, uh, the hot dog cookout that you said you, you said was planned on that Thursday. You said that all of the grocery stores, because it was snowing in Texas. We're out of everything, especially yeah, bread. It's the apocalypse whenever it right. snows in Texas. Everybody hunkers down. So you couldn't find any hot dog buns. <laughs> Bro, we couldn't find bread. They couldn't find Mrs. Baird's bread. There was no bread left in the stores. Yeah. And your amazing team baked fresh homemade hot dog buns I, and yeah, had them I available. When those showed up on the on the table, and I was like, "Where'd these come from?" What? And people were raving. They were like, "These buns are delicious." I was like, "Dude, they came through in a pinch." That's all I'm saying. They were legit. They they looked like real hot dog buns. I wasn't so sure if it would just be like, <laughs> you know, rolls or something, and you had to figure out how to do yeah. it. Yeah, but that was great. It was awesome, man. Your team did a, did an amazing job. So adapt and overcome. Yeah. So those were some of the fun challenges of the event. Yeah. So. Looking back on it, what what were some of the key moments that stuck out to you on a positive side? Man, you know, there was a, there were a couple of moments, but then there was the general feel. Mm. And so I'll touch both because yeah. uh, I think both of them really meant a lot. Obviously, you know, that that sovereign night that we had with Alan Hood and just the, the spirit of travail that came on the room. Yeah, talk about that. I, I feel like I had a lot of leaders come up to me and say, I've never been in a moment like that before. Mm. And I think even in my own experience, I would say, I don't know that I've ever been in a moment quite like that because, I, I mean, you, you give me your perspective, but it seemed like 100% engagement in the room. Mm. I mean, maybe there were two people that weren't, but it was like it was like everybody was having an encounter with God. And we were having that same encounter together. And mm. while I've been in rooms with more leaders, more people, and maybe then there would have been more people experiencing a real move of the Holy Spirit. I don't know that I've ever been in a room where 100% of the people were engaged like that. And so you've got these permanent leaders from all across the country, and the Holy Spirit just showed up in deep travail. I mean, guttural, like weeping, crying, uncontrollable uh, for lots and lots of people. At one point, you know, I'm sitting there because I'm, I'm on the floor, and I'm having an encounter with the Lord, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to also be a good steward of leading the room, of meeting. Sure. And I'm just, I'm asking the Holy Spirit, I'm like, Lord, you know, do I need to get up? Do we, do we need to try to get any sort of worship team going so that we can help facilitate this moment in any way? And I just hear the Holy Spirit say the funniest phrase to me. I heard him say, uh, don't you hear the music? Wow. And as soon as I, I heard him say that, I just started to listen and I could actually hear some rhythms in the room to the moaning and the wailing in a way that was like rhythmical in a way that was like, Oh my gosh, we already have a symphony going on here. Wow. I don't mean I just heard moaning. I heard, I mean, the the little essence of music in the moans, you know, just the flow of it in the room. I was like, okay, that is unbelievable. 
And that went on for a couple of hours. I really believe, you know, the way that travail works is it's groanings that the words of our mouths can't even express. And a lot of times our spirits can't discern what it is that we're interceding for. Yeah. Well, I really think what was happening is the Holy Spirit was taking advantage of a pretty sweet moment. Well, you got all these prayer leaders together all in the same place. Mm-hmm. Why don't we pray for something national? I don't even have to tell them what we're praying for. I think that the Holy Spirit was utilizing those willing uh, hearts, those those hungry hearts, those, that moment of desperation to birth intercession for the nation, to birth intercession for the prayer movement in our nation and revival in our nation. I think some big things were actually being accomplished in yes. that impromptu prayer meeting that we were not planning on. It just it happened to us and through us. Yeah. But it was definitely not on the schedule. And I think that the Lord really, uh, really used that. Tell me what your, I mean, you were in the room. Tell me yeah. what your thoughts were. Yeah. I mean, for those who weren't there, obviously, Alan Hood was giving a, a message and he was very just personally vulnerable yeah. and just emotional in the message. His heart was just very tender, you could tell. So the room was sensitive, I think, because of that. And honestly, I don't remember how it transitioned exactly from Alan talking into all of a sudden the whole room is crying and weeping and groaning and on their knees. I mean, the whole room. Faces. But he didn't necessarily do an altar call or a, hey, let's all travail now. I mean, it, it kind of transitioned from he's talking and there's a sense of growing yeah. just response to that in our hearts, I think. And then eventually, I think he started crying. Some other people were probably already crying, and it just swept across the whole room. And I it think really grew. It did. It really did. And um, yeah. And I think, like you said, because it was leaders, everybody was responsive in the room, which was really cool to have the sense of unity around what God was doing. So I think a lot of a lot of it was related to just uh, wanting fresh fire and hunger and and zeal and and not being lukewarm in our hearts you know that was a theme that came up so i think there was probably some personal stuff happening in me at least and and i'm sure a lot of other leaders of like god just don't let us don't let us grow dull you know don't let us kind of get in a funk right in our in our hearts and and even though there's a there's a sense where our prayer should just be steady even when we don't feel anything right um don't let that reach for more go away where we just kind of get locked in going right and we don't we don't want to experience his presence and power in more and more ways so so that was kind of the theme i think that alan was bringing but who knows what the holy spirit was doing in terms of how he was using our prayers and our our travailing intercession in that moment like you said in the in the nation and that kind of thing Um, you could feel the sovereignty of it though like you oh for sure for you sure. knew this was like the Lord is doing something. It, it was beyond the moment. Yeah. And I'm personally glad that you didn't interrupt it or try to do much to the moment. I think because especially since it was leaders, it was okay that we could just kind of hang there and let God have his way. I don't know how long we were there. It felt like an hour or something of just. Oh, no, no, but, bro. I mean, if you then include the time where people are then going around and praying for people. Yeah. Afterwards, I mean, that whole thing went on for about two and a half hours. We didn't get out of there till was it eleven fifteen oh. or eleven thirty? Yeah, uh, yeah, and it was not waning. I mean, it was it was continuing in waves. It was it was really powerful. So, That's right. Yeah, really good, <laughs> beautiful moment. So beyond that, you know, I think we came into this summit with three primary objectives, and I would even love to hear your 
thought on how we hit on all three of these, okay? Mm-hmm. We came into the summit really wanting to uh, encourage leaders. We wanted leaders to come away strengthened in their calling, strengthened in the purposes of the prayer movement, uh, strengthened as leaders. We just we wanted leaders to be impacted and strengthened. Uh, second, we wanted them relationally to connect to each other. Uh, and as much as we could, we wanted to set the table and then let people find each other, meet, connect, start to build relationships, strengthen relationships that were already there prior that maybe they just hadn't seen each other in a while. So that relational uh, component was another big, you know, like thing we were aiming for with the way that we scheduled things and even some of the communication. So that would have been the second one. And then the third was to equip in as much as we could with the diversity not only of expression, but the diversity of how many years people have been in this thing. Mm. I mean, you got Todd Beery been in this thing for 22 years, you know, and it's like, versus there's also some that came out in this last couple of years in COVID. We really wanted to help as much as we could to equip uh, these leaders to go home and have some stuff they didn't have when they came. Ideas, uh, some little, you know, little tweaks of of approaches to things. Uh, We wanted to kind of aim at that. And so those were our three that we really wanted to hit. And, you know, I have some ideas and thoughts, but I'd love to hear your thoughts as, you know, somebody that was in the middle of it. How do you feel like we did on those three and kind of, you know, how did that hit you? Yeah. I I think you guys did a great job on all, on all three of those for sure. Uh, Very good. I mean, the third one, you guys are probably, your local team is probably just really good at practical training, equipping, that's part of your gifting, I know, too, is just like giving people practical tools, hands-on panels, you know, all, all kinds of stuff that helps people in a very practical way. So obviously not that out of the park. And one of the things that stuck out to me that kind of connects to point number two about the relationships was the co-op that you mentioned with you and some of the other leaders, seven or eight, I don't remember how many there were, other leaders that you guys have been friends in a real intentional way for years, over 10 years, is that right? 10 years now. Yeah, 10 years. And you guys have made a point to get together in person once or twice a year during that 10 years. And I think you guys hosting it and having the history together affected the feel of the of the time together because you guys were joking around with each other, had his, had inside jokes with each other, and it was just lighthearted. It, it didn't feel formal. You know, and and I think that really kind of brought an ease to the whole time that was really sweet That's and really great. highlighted the value of the relationship. So to me, that was that was something that stuck out to me that was really valuable. You know, and what an unusual way for a conference to be led, right? I right. mean, I was just thinking about that. I was like, you know, normally if you go to a leadership conference. You've got the expert in that field and the guy that's really great at that, and the gal over there that's that's their lane. And you bring them together and they get to meet in the green room for a little bit right. and connect a little. But then each of them are going to go do their own session. Right. Where I was like, man, this is a group of friends that's just like yeah. been doing life together for a decade, leading a conference together. It felt fun. Like I was like, yeah. this is so much fun. <laughs> yeah, it was it was so good. And I think it's is just near to near to God's heart too. I mean, it was twenty twenty thirteen that God gave me the phrase presence pioneers and he said, Find the presence pioneers, find wow. he gave me Psalm one thirty two, one thirty three, one thirty four. He said, Find those with Psalm one thirty two in their hearts and he called wow. them presence pioneers. 
He said they've got the heart of David. And he said, help them to get in Psalm 133 unity. Ooh, ooh, come on. In, in order to see Psalm 134, which is the night watch, day and night prayer. And, uh, and so that's word? something I've carried and tried to be faithful in, in small ways over the years. And so that, that's a huge value to me is finding those people you know, that, that have that heart of David, that desire to host worship, prayer, the presence of God, help them to connect together more and more. And, uh, and, and I believe- I didn't know of, that. I didn't know that storyline. I love that. Oh, yeah. 132, yeah. three and four. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. All, all together. So I think uh, what, you know, the House of Prayer Summit that she hosted was was huge unto those those purposes, you know, helping people to be in Psalm 133, unity. And it was, it's fun, right? It says there, you know, it's a good time when when we dwell together in unity. Right. It's pleasing right. and pleasant, right? And it was. Yeah, it was, it was enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So Alan had his, you know, the moment with him that one night that was really powerful. The, the Another moment that stuck out to me was, the next night, there seemed to be just a greater freedom and joy. When we went into worship and prayer, we had this time of corporate worship and intercession, and it was wild, actually. It was wild, right? <laughs> I, f- I feel like God like plowed the ground the night before, and then we yeah. just like reaped it in just explosive worship and joyful intercession, yeah. and I found that to be amazing. I mean, Isaiah 56, 7, he'll make us joyful in the house of prayer. People were dancing and shouting and screaming and, Bro, and the choreography praying. on whatever was going on, that dance party up at the front. I was like, you guys just met each other. How are you all in sync right now? It was unbelievable. <laughs> I think there was one guy that was kind of coming up with the moves and everyone was kind of following him. Totally. It was, totally. It, it was, it was really cool. That, that was, was really a, cool. A, that was a good moment. So I really enjoyed Beautiful. worshiping. And again, it was like, because they were all leaders Everybody was in it, you know. I mean, I, I haven't been in a prayer meeting with a hundred people where everybody's locked in, in like that, engaged. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, like level ten engagement. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Beautiful. So that was great. Um, maybe we could shift a little bit just from the event itself, because I think the event was uh, sort of a microcosm of the larger House of Prayer movement. Yeah, and. You know, a lot of the houses of prayer have been inspired by IHOP in Kansas City and Mike Bickle, yeah. and he was able to join us on Zoom, which was, was amazing, so and share to us. I mean, he's kind of a grandfather papa. now, kind of a papa in the prayer movement, and was able yeah. to really speak to us and encourage us, which was awesome. I know you've been tracking sort of the broader prayer movement, house of prayer movement. Your team, you said, found 500 houses of prayer and their contact information. You've been connected to a lot of the key leaders across America in the last 15 years. So just maybe give us a sense of the trajectory of the House of Prayer movement as you've watched the kind of like ebb and flow of it. What's your sense of kind of like what God's done over the last 10 or 15 years? And then maybe after you kind of reflect back, then maybe we can also look forward. Where we're headed. Yeah. Attention, pastors and ministry leaders. We want to invite you to an ATD Leadership Summit in Salt Lake City, Utah, July 26th through the 28th. This ATD Leadership Summit is for leaders from across America that carry a shared value of hosting the presence of God through day and night worship and prayer and gospel proclamation. Our Awaken the Dawn team will be hosting the event, including David Bradshaw, Matthew Lilly, and David Valier. When you join us for this summit, you will experience real and refreshing connection 
with like-hearted leaders in an informal, fun, and relational environment, including four free meals together. Teaching and training sessions catered to pioneering presence-centered ministry leaders, spirit-filled and life-giving times of worship, prophetic ministry, and prayer to refresh your heart. Interactive breakout sessions and workshops to dialogue about practical ministry challenges and a regional worship and prayer gathering the weekend after the summit. To learn more and register, go to awakenthedawn.com today. Again, join us for the ATD Leadership Summit in Salt Lake City, July 26th through the 28th. Register now at awakenthedawn.com. We can't wait to see you there. You know, we started in 2005 in, in my living room, and by 2008, you know, just three years in, we were already paying as close attention as we could from not having many relationships to what was happening in the program, connecting with people locally, connecting with people nationally. I started going to Billy's summits back in the day. Billy Humphrey of uh, in Atlanta was hosting leadership summits that we kind of modeled this last one that we just did. We modeled it after what he was doing. So by going there every year, I was able to meet more leaders, connect with others that were building a house of prayer in various expressions. And so we just kind of had our, our pulse, our, you know, our finger on the pulse. And what we were watching is from about 2008 to about 2012, those were the glory years. Those were years where people were starting houses of prayer. Churches were saying, you know what, we're going to be a praying church. We're going to have a prayer room going 10 hours a week. It was kind of an explosion. Uh, from about 2008 to what I'll call 2012, uh, were just sweet years. It was also during that period of time that IHOP Kansas City was experiencing their awakening. And right. so there was a lot of just Holy Spirit unction uh, and uh, and just help. And prayer meetings were enjoyable. There was just a lot going on. 2013 and those years that followed was kind of like the opposite. Uh, it was in those years that houses of prayer were going through the ringer lots of pruning. We watched hundreds of houses of prayer shut their doors. Hundreds that had expressions that had started over the course of that past four years um, ceased to be. And for a lot of reasons, I'm sure some reasons that it was probably the Lord and a lot of them, it was just the weakness of the flesh. A lot of them, it was the enemies beating the heck out of people. There's a lot of different reasons. So whether, whatever the reasoning is there, the trend was a major downtrend from I'll say 2013 all the way till recently, uh, maybe even as, as much as 2018 or 2019, there just weren't many houses of prayer uh, starting. And during those, I'll say the, the 2000, uh, you know, let's say 16, 17, 18, 19, I don't think more houses of prayer were shutting their doors during that period of time. I think people were hunkered down. They were holding the line. Uh, the ones that had stuck with it up to that point, I think were saying, this is who we are, whether it's fun or not fun. Uh, enjoyable or not enjoyable, whether we're growing or shrinking or whatever, this is who we are. We're gonna we're gonna hold the line. I'm sure there were a couple that you know uh, had some transitions during that period of time, but the majority during that period of time, I really feel like the roots were going deep mm. and a prayer movement that in many cases uh, had been birthed or had been fanned into flame during enjoyable years where there was a lot of grace and a lot of the move of the Holy Spirit had now gone through pruning and difficulty, and the root system went deep. And so now you meet those prayer leaders, uh, house of prayer leaders and directors, you know, that stayed during that period of time, and they may look a little haggard and worn like me on their face, 
but man, their spirits are bright and yeah. they're, they're steadfast and firm. Well, what we witnessed during COVID of all things, the most bizarre trend, the Holy Spirit started to birth houses of prayer independent of one another through COVID. Uh, yeah. you know, I think you were in the room when I asked for a raise of hands, I just said, Hey, how many of you in the room who are with us tonight for this summit that we just did, how many of you started your house of prayer in the last couple of years? Now, time frame that means during COVID, okay? Right. There were like 13 ministries that put their hand there. I don't mean 13 people. I mean, it was like 13 individual houses of prayer that started during COVID, and they all looked around at each other like, are you kidding me? Because none of them knew each other. And so you put all that together and you go, okay, the Holy Spirit is doing something because that's the first time we've seen that trend in a decade where there's houses of prayer starting. I don't mean one-offs. I mean a trend bubbling up. And so the fact that that's starting and and there are reasons in the natural we could point to related to COVID and restrictions and loneliness and all that stuff. But that's not who was driving the show. The Holy Spirit's the one orchestrating these events. And so I'm looking at that and I'm seeing a great encouragement and, Uh, I'm very hopeful for where these next years are going, because I think now so many of those that the roots went down deep over the last decade, they now can serve as shade trees to a whole new generation of those that are coming up and be able to say, listen, stay steady. Here's how you do it. Here are the tracks to, to run on. So I'm very excited about where this next, let's say, decade goes. That was a... That was a very notable moment for me when I saw that that many hands went up to having launched Houses of Prayer just in the, the last couple of years. I was I was stunned actually. We're and shocking. then, you know, when Mike Bickle was on there on the Zoom call, he mentioned, you know, I don't know how accurate the numbers were. But he was saying there were thousands in the nations across the world that have started in the last couple of years. So he seemed to indicate that he's tracking the same thing globally that we kind of caught a glimpse of nationally here in the USA that there seems to be all of a sudden this fresh like you said bubbling up of of new desire to gather together and to pray and to worship for hours and hours I was really encouraged by that actually it was awesome I mean just to watch all of them have their own story that the Holy Spirit's the one writing it but none of them did it because of the other ones. I mean, yeah. none of them knew each other. So them for them to find each other at yeah. this summit and go, you started in the last two years, you started last year, you start, you know, and, yeah. and for that to be a surprising new piece of the storyline is that there are these, there's this new, there's this resurgence, there's new energy, there's new wind yeah. and new Holy spirit uh, direction it, it, right now. That's exciting. Yeah, it really is. Cause I've certainly felt that, sort of sense of hunkering down that you talked about where it didn't seem like it kind of had that vitality that it had there for a while. Yeah. It just seemed like, you know, everybody and their mom was starting a house of prayer wanting to, or talking about it. They were. And, and, uh, and so that was probably my biggest, honestly, probably my biggest takeaway from being there with you guys in Dallas was that night of joy, the young leaders, the night with Alan, I go, you know, something is fresh. Yeah, that is that I hadn't quite touched, you know, yet until till being there and, and getting a sense of. I have a couple friends that are that have like started prayer rooms and stuff, but you never know how if that's a trend or not. You just know a couple people that are doing it, but then when you realize, oh wow, it's happening across America, 
Mike gets on and says, oh, it's happening across the world. And you go, oh, this is really cool. That's amazing. So do you think that 500 number is pretty accurate for the United States in terms of about how many houses of prayer there are? Yeah, I do. And, and the reason I think it's probably a fairly accurate number is because some of the ones that are on there, if you dug deep enough, which we just didn't have the ability to do, you'd figure out, oh, you know what? They're not actually a house of prayer the way we would define it, though it might be in their ministry title. Yeah. And then you've got plenty of people that we just haven't connected with yet that we don't know about. And so if I just had to guess, you know, of the 500, 50 of them really aren't what we're thinking. And then there's probably another 75 that we haven't found yet. So call right. it 525, you know, but around 500. I think that that's probably uh, a fair number. And yeah. we're hopeful in the coming year and two to refine that list and make that even cleaner and, you know, more accurate and, uh, and more representative so that people can be more aware of offerings that are being made uh, in the prayer movement nationally and beyond. Yeah. And just so our listeners understand, there's not a database of houses of prayer anywhere to go to right. because what God is doing in the earth right now is, is a sovereign move of the Holy Spirit where people are getting stirred to gather together and pray. There's some big ministries that are inspiring people, but the truth is it's happening everywhere at its heart. No one can really keep up with it. We're all just trying to get a sense of what God's doing. And a lot of the houses of prayer aren't called something house of prayer. They, yeah, that's right. Some of them don't even have prayer in the name. They're called the furnace or the refinery or something. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. You know, there's a lot of local churches that are launching prayer rooms or houses of prayer within their church. And maybe their ministry is just something church, but they're doing lots and lots of prayer meetings every week. And uh, and I'm experiencing that myself in, in, in our local church where we're beginning to launch, you know, prayer meetings within our church. And you're not going to be able to find us searching for house of prayer, but we're yep. doing it, you know. And so that that's encouraging to me uh, that there's a, there's a potential. That the, yeah, exactly. There's a potential that the number is, is even greater than, than we realize. Yeah, I think you're right. Which is really encouraging. Well, um, let me ask you this, Brad. People are listening in. They go, oh, that's really cool. There's houses of prayer. They're growing. You had a great meeting. Seems like God's up to something. Why should, if somebody's not a part of a house of prayer, why should they either join one or start one? Oh, man. Well, if you're thinking about starting one, make sure that uh, you're at gunpoint because, uh, man, <laughs> you, you want the Holy Spirit's help on that one. It's not for the faint of heart, that's for sure. For sure. Uh, but being, being part of one, joining one, uh, and, and if you feel led, then start one. I think there, that answer is it's so multi faceted, but I'll just give you a couple of the things that jump out from, for me when I, I mean, think there's about books that. about this for sure. So. I mean, volumes at this point, Yeah, you know, I, I would look at it from a, from a heavenly perspective, a corporate perspective and an individual perspective. Mm, so from a heavenly perspective, Jesus is worthy of that kind of attention 24 seven. And it's actually criminal that there's only 24 hours a day and seven days in a week because he's really worthy of 25, eight, we just can't pull it off. Jesus is worthy. He's the worthy lamb. He's, he's this lamb slain from the creation. He's worthy of perpetual. You're awesome. Jesus. Mm. Like there's never a second in any day where Jesus isn't worthy of that sort of attention coming both from heaven and from earth. And so the Lord's prayer, I just, I always laugh at the way that Jesus, Jehovah sneaky strikes again. He got us praying this prayer, billions of times, trillions of times, Lord, 
let your kingdom come and your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Well, how is it in heaven around the throne 24-7, the angels and the four living creatures and the elders are worshiping perpetually without stop. Holy, yes. holy, holy. They fall down on their faces. They worship. And Jesus tricked us. It's the greatest trickery ever. I'm going to get them when they ask me, how should we pray? Oh, I know how we should pray. Pray that it happens on planet Earth the same way that it happens up around the throne. Mm. And what he's really getting at, a lot of things, but one of the things he's getting at is pray that perpetual adoration and worship would happen on the Earth as it's happening in heaven. And so I think it's the most prayed prayer. I mean, don't quote me on that, but I would just guess the Lord's prayer is the most prayed prayer in history. And I think we're actually starting to see some of the fruit of that prayer being prayed a trillion times or whatever the number is in order to get earth in greater measure of agreement and sync with what's happening in heaven. And Jesus is worthy. So to me, the worth of Christ, it surpasses, I had a bad day. The worth of Christ surpasses well, the people are mad. Well, I, you know, I'm going through a hard time financially. When we look at the worth of Christ, it's like nothing measures up against that. It's, it's immutable. It's a refutable truth that nothing touches his worth in our human experience. And so to me, I look at it and go, it's the anthem of heaven that is supposed to be the anthem of earth. And when we do, we're more in sync with heaven. And I think we actually release the purposes of heaven. So that would be the heavenly perspective of why we should do it. Second, I'd say the corporate. Uh, Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer. In the epistles, we see Paul often writing about the call to continual prayer, the call to pray without ceasing. Uh, I love the Luke 18 uh, parable. So Jesus told his disciples this parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. This idea about us always praying together. You know, in the New Testament, it wasn't written, nor the old. It wasn't written to me. It was written to us. The Great Commission, go and make disciples of all the planet and everybody else, it wasn't written to me. That was a corporate assignment. And sometimes I think we look at the Word of God and we take it individually at a level that might be even too far. Because, yes, it applies to us as individuals, but it was written to us corporately. So when Paul says pray without ceasing, that's impossible for us to do as an individual. But it's not impossible for us to do corporately. And right. Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer. He wasn't talking about an individual being a house of prayer. He was talking about us corporately being a house of prayer. And so there's so much about this. When we come together, we accomplish the purposes of the Lord where two or more are gathered in my name. There I am in the midst. If two of you will agree on earth about anything, you will have it. There's something about this corporate agreement in the place of prayer and worship that is superior. It just is. It's yeah. superior to the individual prayer and worship. And we're going to continue to do individual prayer and worship. You can't get me to stop having an individual relationship with Jesus, and nobody's asking us to. But I think we need to go on the journey of what does it look like to have a corporate relationship with Jesus. And that's something I think is pretty unexplored in the American church, is us learning how to corporately connect with the Lord, corporately engage with His purposes. And so that would be the corporate. So first, I said heavenly. Second, I'd say corporate. Third, I'd say individual. I've been in prayer meetings. Thank you, Jesus, by your sovereign call and, uh, and some grace. I've been in corporate prayer meetings seven days a week at 5 a.m. for 16 years. And uh, if I'm not sick or out of town or something, and those, those prayer meetings have changed me. Being in his presence every day, going to prayer meetings where there's others engaging the Lord, going into a prayer meeting where I'm kind of feeling a little funk, you know, I'm not feeling it so much. 
But my friend, who might also be feeling a funk, they're set to be the worship leader that day. and They've decided I'm going to overcome my funk and I'm going to try to take Brad with me who's in the room. By being in corporate prayer meetings like that, day after day, year after year, I'm a completely different person. My spirit is bright in my inner man. I've got revelation on the Word I didn't have before. I have love for Jesus that is far surpassed where it was before. I'm a better dad. My kids are better off because I've been in prayer meetings all my, you know, these last 16 years. My family's better off because they're in corporate prayer meetings. They get to come to prayer meetings. My marriage is better. I mean... I'm a better leader. I'm a better dot, dot, dot. You fill it in because at a personal level, what being in prayer meetings has done for me has been a life-changing, immeasurable, I mean, incalculable. So you put all that together and it's like, oh my gosh, what an advertisement for a lifestyle of prayer that we get to engage the purposes of heaven. We get to engage the corporate purposes for the Lord, the Lord has for the church. And then individually, we get to kind of grow up into all we can be, you know? It's the best. And so I've watched those three things touch people year after year, having been doing this uh, as, a, as a leader of a, of a house of prayer for 16 years. I've watched all three of those things touch people and transform them and give them why behind the what and, and strengthen them. And it, it's just been awesome. So I hope that's a point of advertisement. That is so good. That's fantastic, Brad. Well done. You said so much there in just a, just a few minutes. So yeah, I would encourage every, everyone that's tuning in to find some prayer meetings happening in your city yeah. and We're jump in. Yeah, and if there's not, grab some friends and start praying together and start worshiping together. Uh, it is powerful. Brad just gave an amazing three reasons why you should do that. So let, let's just go to a couple practical takeaways, Brad. If, if there's people that are, that are tuning in, uh, and I think we probably have a couple different kinds of people one are people that are just, you know, wanting to pray, wanting to grow in prayer, curious about prayer. And then we probably have some leaders tuning in too that are leading houses of prayer, leading prayer gatherings and worship prayer ministries, that kind of thing. So, yeah, do you, just anything you have uh, from the prayer room or your ministry that you may want to share with people that might be a resource to them? Yeah. Let me come at it from those two angles, okay? Uh, first is the hungry that may not necessarily be leading something, but they just want to grow in a life of prayer, hunger for God, even in how to pray. Our website, tprdfw.com, tprdfw.com. We have got a ton of resources on there. I'm thinking mostly of our audio resources and the Word docs that are aimed at you, helping you grow in your life in God, creating hunger, stirring you up in the place of prayer, learning how to dial down some practicals on actually how to have a life of prayer. Uh, We've got a ton of resources and it's all free on our website. Just go for it. Take it. It's yours. Do with it whatever you want. I always encourage people, take it, download it, listen to it, and then re-preach it and say it was yours. You know, take the notes, write your name up at the top, re-preach it. I'm I'm happy with that. I'm just glad that it's being of benefit to somebody. So we've got a, a ton of resources that are aimed in that direction. And the way that they were developed was, I've got a community of people I'm trying to keep engaged. I've got a community of people here at our base that I'm preaching to, that I'm trying to stir up their hearts. I'm trying to give them the why behind the what. And so while they were my primary audience, it works anywhere. And uh, and all the messages are going to touch, you know, somebody that's in another state or city or whatever the same way. And that is, oh, he is good. He is worthy. Oh, I want to love him more. Here's how I can love him. So we've got a ton of resources on our website that are aimed for you. Secondly, we've got 
another uh, set of resources on that same website, again, tprdfw.com, that are aimed for House of Prayer leaders. And these resources are less why and more how. Uh, you know, Matthew, you uh, did a, a did me a super solid by uh, getting some of those podcasts out on a, on a resource you've got. In fact, I'd love for you to touch on that in a second. But sure. these resources that we developed were for House of Prayer leaders to just help them with some nuts and bolts on how to strengthen their various prayer ministries. And uh, one that I'll throw out right now, and I know it's premature, this doesn't exist yet, but we are very much underway right now. I mean, we've put in maybe 100 hours, and we need to put in probably another 150 more before it's ready. But we're working on a separate resource, separate website, prayermovementresources.com, prayermovementresources.com. And our objective with that is literally hundreds of free resources that are specific for pioneers in the prayer movement, house of prayer leaders, uh, prayer directors, praying church pastors that are how-tos, they're one-page docs, they're short little interviews, they're how-to trainings, video, you know, two, three-minute videos, uh, trainings. We're in the process of that. It's not developed yet, uh, but it's kind of what we have on our current website, I mean, with an exponent or two. I mean, it's it's going to really be expanded. Uh, we're in the process of getting all that together. We've got the platform adopted. We just don't have all the resources ready for launch yet, but we're working on it. So I'm I'm hopeful that for sure in 2022, we'll have that launched. And uh, we're just excited that that'll be a resource that can really be helpful to the prayer movement, uh, hopefully at the next level. That's incredible. Well, we will certainly link to the TPR website in the description so people can click through, find those. By the time this goes out, we'll see if you, the other website is up or not. If it's not, we'll stay tuned for that. And yeah, the, te- the same team that helps me with my podcast took some of your teachings specifically for House Prayer leaders, all the audio, and strung them together uh, and released it as a podcast. So on all the podcast apps, Apple, Spotify, Google, et cetera, uh, you can just type in House of Prayer Leadership and the House of Prayer Leadership podcast, and it will have uh, all of those teachings that you've done, Brad, specifically for training the, the House of Prayer leaders on how to do it. So people can just listen to it in whatever app they are. They're already listening to audio in. They can yeah. find it that way. But and I, I love that you pointed out a very important detail in that. You said, you know what? Some of these are a little old. So uh, so if some of the information is a little dated, just recognize these were recorded a few years ago. So if they're, if we're talking about MySpace on there, just give us a little bit of uh, leeway. But, uh, but I think a lot of the content still helps. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's very good. I've heard some people that have that have checked it out that way, and they've said that it's been helpful to them. So good, that's great. <laughs> I don't think you referenced MySpace, so we won't have any MySpace links in the description here. Okay, so. okay, fair enough. <laughs> awesome. Well, Brad, this has been great. Thank you so much for, for doing having. this. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, everyone, I just want to encourage you. I hope that you are stirred about what God's doing in the House of Prayer movement. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. We would love for you to hit follow or subscribe in whatever app you're using so that you can continue to get episodes like this every month. If you enjoyed today's episode, do us a favor and please share it with your friends and post it on social media. Be sure to tag Awaken the Dawn in your post so that we can reshare that with all of our friends as well. If you're tuning in on Apple, please leave us a rating or review. And if you're on YouTube, give us that thumbs up like button and leave us a comment 
and let us know what you thought of today's episode, and we really appreciate it. Finally, please visit our website at awakenthedawn.com. You can find out more about our ministry and movement, and you can also make a donation to help support this podcast and the Awaken the Dawn ministry. Thank you again for tuning in today, and don't forget, Jesus changes everything.